that was a big honor and, and uh pretty great yeah, that was uh yeah that was something that'll we got them hanging be, on all you, four plaques hanging on the wall and Heads up, folks, the nomination period is ongoing through the end of this month for the Overdrive and TCA-coordinated competition for the owner-operator of the year. It's open to both leased and independent carriers. For those with multiple trucks, the cutoff limit is five power units, and the owner must still uh, operate one of them. Visit overdriveonline.com and search owner-operator of the year to find some direct links to the nomination form and a chance to win the big prize of $25,000 and plenty more. I'm Todd Dills, and uh, this is the Overdrive Radio Podcast, where today we're going to hear more from the voice you heard at the top, that of our most recent Owner-Operator of the Year winner in Kevin Kutzmich. That's that's K-O-C-M-I-C-H, pronounced Kutzmich. He's the least heavy specialized hauler who was in contention as a finalist for the fourth year in a row in the program. Fourth time's a charm, I suppose, for the now more or less regular at the Truckload Carriers Annual Convention where the winners are announced each year. <laughs> yeah, we're getting to know some people, and it was good. I mean, first year was, I'm usually the one in the back row and the quiet guy and don't say nothing, you know. And, right. And I don't know, I kind of loosened up a little bit last few years, but the first year I said, just give me my plaque and I'm happy, you know, and and oh no, you gotta you gotta get on the stage and everything and do all that. Like, oh, man. <laughs> and uh, but it was getting easier, you know. And then I was first year was just being nominated was an honor, and then the next year or two it was pretty cool, you know. And then this yeah. year I just, I just it's time to win, you know. <laughs> <laughs> People are gonna cool. start talking about these vacations we get every year, you know. <laughs> or these trips. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was it was a good time and, and something we'll never forget. Having reached certainly a pinnacle of success in his long career as a driver the last couple of decades and more as an owner-operator, Kutzmik, I couldn't help but ask what was probably an obvious question. How long was he planning to stay in it? He's got plenty wheel left, he said. And a great partner in Diamond Transportation where he's leased for little flexibility when he does decide to start slowing down. Oh, I don't know. My health is pretty good, so I don't know. It's until, like, that's what I like about Diamond. Um, They're almost the perfect company. Mm -hmm. And I I run pretty hard, you know. It's tough business. And right now, this this is really tough right now, you know. So, um... Yeah, I'll keep going, but then with Diamond, you know, a lot of these companies and a couple that I work for, they they want you, you go home for a week, they're hounding you, you know, when you're going to come back, you know, they're looking at their own pocket. But with Diamond, you know, there's guys, you know, when they start retiring, they can semi-retire, and and if I want to just run the Midwest, and, you know, we all have tractors out of Fargo and Racine and stuff, you know, and and there's stuff around the Midwest. If I decide that I don't want to go out very far anymore, you know, I can just yeah. haul a couple loads and go home and, you know, or go out for a week or come home for a week. I mean, that's that's one thing I like about Diamond, you know. Um, yeah. 
and that's the options when I decide to start slowing down. You know, I can we can do whatever we want to do here. Yeah, they they can they have the ability to kind of flex with you depending on when you're available to to haul. Um, yeah, and like, and, yeah. Um, and when we when we need a load wherever we're at, it's like one on one. You know, we're, they're looking specifically for us. Yeah. And um, you know, if I want to go home for three weeks. There's no questions asked, you know, like they say, we're the ones making the truck payment. Indeed, indeed, but for Kutzmik, it hasn't always been that way. When we talked in mid-April, at perhaps the height of the down period after the initial shock of the COVID-19 pandemic, we started our conversation with a tour through his early years, all of which would point him toward where he is today as an owner-operator in that sometime, uh, sometimes complicated, heavy, specialized platform hauling niche. Well, I grew up in a farm in southeast South Dakota down there, west of Yankton, about 30 miles, little town of Dante, South Dakota, in Avon. And been around machinery all my life. You know, you start driving a tractor when you're probably 12 years old, you know. Uh, and then when I graduated out of high school, the guy asked me if I wanted to go on the harvest run, which I jumped on that. So for like five years, I went on the wheat harvest run, started out driving truck, and then I ran the combine and fixed it and repaired it and all this stuff and ran. Uh, we'd start in Clinton, Oklahoma, and go all the way to the Canada line, start in June and come back at in the fall, and then we'd do beans and corn and sunflowers all the way into January. Right. And so I ran equipment all my life, you know, and then I got into trucking. Um, there was a guy who had a couple trucks and we hauled steel out of Detroit and Chicago back to Columbus, Ohio. Did that for a year and a half and um, hauled coils of steel. Okay. And then, then I moved up. I wanted to move up the ladder more into equipment, so I worked for an outfit out of Des Moines, which for about a year and a half, and they went bankrupt. They were in Specialized. We hauled Army tanks and equipment, and, and okay. I got kind of... Then, then I... Um, didn't know, and then I came home and didn't know what I was going to do yet. And then I ran for a guy, a local guy, wanted me all bull rack and grain trailers. So I did that for a year. Okay. And uh, then I went back over the road. Well, I worked for, uh, I was getting married, and then I worked for three years at a ethanol plant, one of the first ethanol plants in Scotland, South Dakota, in the Midwest that um, opened up, and we built it, and I operated it and maintained and for about three yeah, what years, time, and that was... What time period was that? That ethanol plant? Um, that was... 99. Okay. 98. Gotcha. Something like that. And then we proved that... They proved that we had some new systems came up, and, uh, and then that's where the rest of the ethanol plants came out from there, Aberdeen and all that. And that was kind of hazardous chemical ways. I'm going back driving truck. (laughs) (laughs) Did a lot of welding and steam pipes and all that stuff, you know. And and, uh, then I went back over the road and I ran for Smithway for three years. SMX held sheetrock and building material and around 48 states. And and then I went over to, wanted to move back into the more machinery. So then I bought, that's when I bought my first truck in 2000 well i guess the 
ethanol plant was like three, four, five years before that, 95, probably, okay. or 85, okay. 95. Anyway, then I uh, <laughs> bought my first truck, went to ATS, and I was there for 13 years, and we all the equipment, John Deere and everything, and then I moved into the windmill blades, and I probably hauled 300 of them blades and some tower sections, and and uh, for like 10 years, and then some. Okay. One summer, I did some schnabel work, like 173,000 pounds on 11 axles, and then it kind of went down a little bit on that really big stuff. And I, well, I just didn't want to invest in a four-axle truck and spend all that money. It's kind of questionable. Then I moved over here to Diamond, and um, and just love it here. You know, I mean, we're hauling equipment, military equipment. Uh, this morning I just got done loading a 140 wheel load or a road grader with a side wing, snowplow wing on it going down to the bottom of Texas and a okay. uh, little over gross and wide. And so I just like, it's like the challenge of the equipment. You got to be able to operate the stuff for common sense and it's a big challenge. You got to be able to operate it as well as um, as operate the truck because you got to put it on there, right? Yeah, a lot of times yeah. I try to with the dealers. You know, I say, well, it's easier. You know, if I can watch so it gets put on there, right? But ports and a lot of the dealers, we have to load and unload the equipment ourselves, escalators, dozers, and you got to, you know, every year they change the switches, and you got to be able to common sense figure out what does what and I guess that's a key consideration there for sure uh, for, mm-hmm. for guys looking to get into that, that this kind of thing. Yeah, that's so. probably the number one thing is common sense and being able to figure things out, you know, operating them and combines and tractors and equipment. And, and what what kind of equipment are you using yourself here uh, today? What's, what's the truck? I got a... We bought actually a year ago, end of April or a couple of weeks, but a year ago we bought a 2000, they call it a 2025 67 Peterbilt. And we we got it spec'd out um, on a particular, and I'll respect the truck out um, to do this type of work. You know, we got uh, 565 horse Cummins and 18 speed and and so forth. So it's, it's spec'd. Uh, handle this yeah. type of heavier stuff because you know we can go up to 90,000 a few handful of states can go all the way up to 100,000 pounds so we got a got our spec out pretty good and this but it, it's not a um it's not a four axle uh with no. a lift axle nope. on it. no nope this is just five axle unit five axle truck and trailer the combination mind you and the trailer well You may have read a little bit about it in my May reporting on Heavy Haul. It's illustrative of the results that can come from specking directly to the load to maximizing opportunity in your operation. Also, illustrative of an owner-operator with the patience to wait for the right moment to move on the right piece of equipment. I got an an RGN, it's an XL Specialized, and we have pullouts for the outriggers, you know, instead of the flip-outs, these are pullouts. And we can go up to like 13 feet wide, I think. And 
we haul farm equipment, sprayers, combines, and then it's safer and, and uh, easier for that type of equipment. And also I can probably get about, when we drive that stuff on, you know, they're wider than the trailer and which I can probably get the machine probably about close to five inches below the deck, you know, the tires. So that lowers my height down probably pretty close to five inches. And then a lot of times it makes me legal or under height. You know, anytime I can keep my height down, that's a, that's a plus. Is that trailer that you own? Yes. Yourself? Yep. Okay. About, about five some... years ago. And is it just the two, is the two axle trailer? Yes. Yes. Not a big three or. No, the reason. Yeah. There's a reason I didn't go that way is, um, there's advantages and disadvantages. Um, you add that third axle while you're raising your empty weight up. So now that limits you to about the 40,000 pound is the breaking point where some guys can haul between 38 and 40,000 pounds legally. You add that third axle, so now you're going to be heavier. So there's going to be loads that if you want to haul, you're going to have to put overweight permits on them, and they're not going to pay for that because I can haul some of them loads legal. So there's a breaking point there. Yeah. So that's one reason I don't have a fifth, the third, the third axle right. back there. But then there's some loads like you know, like go heavier yet, but but this works good. This particular load that you're under today, um, what did you what did you say the weights were on it? Is it a permitted um, deal? I'm gonna we're gonna permit it for eighty five thousand pounds. I'm gonna be about eighty four thousand pounds. I weighed it here in Sioux Falls just before I called you, and. Okay. Um, and then uh, we're right at 12 feet wide in legal okay. height, so I'm taking it all the way to the bottom of Texas. So that that does require a permit, but probably not um, not yes. to the point where you need not where you point where you need pilot cars and things of that nature. No, no, yeah. just just overweight permit and over with. Generally, that 12 to 13 foot width. I gotta check you know, double check some of the states, yeah. you know, cause he might go through there once a year with something bigger and just, and yeah. I don't trust my memory. So usually that 12 foot, when you start getting over that 12 to 13 foot, then that's kind of a breaking point. You could start running yeah. into, you know, like you say two lane, you might need escort, but four lane, not, and, you know, so, and then that turns into more issues, you know, your routing could be, uh, more routing and detours and, and, um, it just adds to more than it should pay more, you know, the bigger it is. Sometimes yeah. it don't. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, it should pay more just like the heavier it is. And, um, that's where you got to kind of. I like to ask what it is and all this stuff particular because that determines how many issues you're going to have. You know, if you're just going to drive it from Omaha to, uh, you know, across to Denver, you know, across the interstate, that's pretty simple. But if you got to take it into New Jersey or 
through some cities and roundabout yeah. and it just adds to a lot of them that's where you got to determine if the pay is good enough yeah because that'll, that'll add a lot of time and fuel and everything else to the mm-hmm. to the run yeah yeah and then you got curfews and and uh, that's where you got to determine if it's going to pay enough um if you can yeah. just go get the job done or if it's going to give you a lot of issues when when do the curfews come into play? Is it that with any overweight uh, item or no? Um, if you're just overweight and everything else is legal, you really don't have any curfews or anything uh, restrictions. You're good to go. But anytime you're over width, over height, yeah. over length, and everything, then a lot of your cities is you know morning and evening you know, from six till eight or nine in the morning and four till six rush hour, you know, yeah. you got to shut down and, but Ohio, you know, long as you're not over 12 feet wide, there really is no curfew. You can just run and change that a couple of years ago. So each state is different, but generally the cities is the rush hour and then nighttime. There's some states we can run at night, you know, if you're up to say 10 feet wide, for example, I believe Texas, if you're not over, you know, not over 10 feet wide and you can run on the interstate only at night, you know, things like that. And I think Virginia, when the, Virginia, I think when the school, like the school's in session, um, you can't run on any two lane roads in the morning and 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 when school's getting out, you know, so. Yeah, it's it's pretty complicated, right? Like, uh, how much are, are you involved at all in the, the procuring of permits, or is that something that gets handled uh, in the in the back office there at Diamond? Well, what what makes it simple is when just like this load here, um, we waited till um, I had my weights and we knew exactly what I had on. But normally, when we get our information, the dispatcher sends our permit lady ebony and jenny the information and then they order the permits and they take care of the routing and and makes it a lot simpler for us because we got a lot of work to do out here you know um you know and uh and they know what they're doing and and uh, and then as soon as they get them they send them to us and print them out and we're good to go they send it to you just over uh, email or, or what? Yeah. Yep. And then I got a, then I got a portable printer in here, and then uh, I just print them out, and it's like our office um, on wheels in here. <laughs> There's a lot to the permitting subject in heavy specialized hauling for sure. If you missed our May cover story on the niche, visit OverdriveOnline.com, search heavy specialized hauling to find it. If you're not leased like Cutsmick. For independence, it's possible to procure your permits yourself, but the complexity, particularly of longer runs through a multiplicity of states, leads many to make a relationship with a third-party permitting service like Reliable Permits out in California, the choice of two independents I talked to for that story. There's a lot of others out there, though, for sure. The complications that can be brought on by any load's complexity are many, and extend to the routes those permits send you on, of course. The bigger or heavier the load gets, the more circuitous and lengthy the route, often enough. It can make for a cumbersome process when it comes to weighing whether to take loads, Cutsman says in what follows, at the 100% owner-operator Diamond Transportation where he's leased. 
And we'll get the rest of the story of Cutsmic trailer, Cutsmic's trailer uh, that I promised earlier really, too. Uh, of these, uh, uh, some of these loads, because um, any permit's going going to give you a a specific route. Uh, is there any pre-programming of of like a device that goes into that? Do you just um, follow the route on the on the permit itself and uh, uh, you know uh, just do it by feel uh, what you know already? No, I got a. I'd have to follow the permit right to the T, the route. Yep. Um, there's, depends on what state and what size you are. So if you're nine, say, for example, if you're nine foot wide, that's no big, really no big deal. You right. pretty much have a straight route. But the way the infrastructure is with these bridges, so say if you're 90,000 pounds gross, you know, overweight, some of these states are going to route you around the bridges so you don't have to cross. If you're on a state highway, for example, they're going to start routing you around the bridges. So you might end up going 10 miles this way and go down and around, and right, you right. could end out 100 extra miles real easy. And then, you know, like a lot of your construction zones are 10, you know, like 11 and 12 feet restriction. So that's when you start getting into that 12 foot width or more, well then you're going to be routed around all the construction zones. So that adds on to a lot of miles. So it all depends on your size and, and weight and height also. Um, if you're right. over height and you got to be routed under, so you don't go underneath any overpasses. And so the bigger it is, the uh, more it, um, complicated it gets. <laughs> And you you kind of brought this up a little bit earlier, but all that all those complications um, definitely, I imagine, uh, make it make it difficult uh, when you are weighing the decision to to accept a load or not. Is that mm-hmm. something that I mean? Is that something that you have a lot of um, latitude in or self direction on when you are uh, Thank you about loads there at Diamond, or is it mm-hmm. something that you just collaborate on with the, the staff there that is looking at the loads, or are you, or are you doing it yourself? You know, I was just curious. Well, it kind of, I usually here at Diamond, we're 100% owner operators, so we make the final right. decision, you know, if we want to do this. Yeah. So we have to look, and I always ask my fleet manager if I call the broker myself, and I want as much detail as I can, you know, if it looks little more complicated and and then if I have any questions I'll call my permit lady Ebony or Jenny and say this is this I'm 15 feet tall and what kind of a route is this going to be complicated or is this not going to be too easy so I'll if it starts looking in to more details well then I'll I'll ask the people that do you know that um if we need escorts just to double check on things but otherwise it comes with time and experience and you have a feel for this but if you're i get caught once in a while you think your um information you get well it looks all right but every once in a while you get one that turns into a nightmare and (laughs) you know and that's where you remember next time i remember doing (laughs) that you know so that's uh, (laughs) you know 
Yeah, those are the ones you learn from, right? That's right. You, we've all done them, you know, and and you learn from them. And and once I take a load, I never turn it down unless there's some issue with it that yeah. they didn't tell us, and it's kind of a big issue that. Right. But yeah, it comes with experience and knowledge and common sense and. There's so many varieties of if that's where you want to go, if there's no other choices and, you know, you're in an area that there is no other load available, you know, you're in the middle of Montana, you know, you don't have too much choices. So hundred different variables or, or whatever you want to call it, you know. Sure. That trailer, XL Specialized, um, you said you, did you buy it new when you bought it, you said five years ago? No, I uh in fact it's a two thousand eight. Um okay. I was and I was looking for a trailer to buy. And every time I opened up the equipment magazine, whatever, this trailer was always there and I checked on it, the farmer had it. And I don't think there was a hundred thousand miles on the trailer and it sat in the shed for the last two or three years never turned the wheel and it was starting to rust a little you know get that outside rust and yeah price is right so it was like it wasn't used and uh so i bought it and price is right and i put new tires and brakes and i ran it for a year and then i um had an out guy up there in fargo and uh took it up there and we uh, sandblasted everything completely underneath and and uh repainted it and uh rewired it and basically a new trailer what did uh what did you pay for it uh at first what was the do you remember what you paid that uh oh, i think it was like i think it was like thirty thousand okay. uh, dollars what do, like do you said, know what, the, like, what one of those goes for new brand new one like this is is right at i think right at sixty five thousand dollars okay you probably so, put you probably put a good a good amount of money into it when you were kind of redoing. Well, it, I'm but, I'm yeah. quite a bit. I'm probably thirty forty five. I'm probably twenty thousand dollars less than what a new one is worth, and I got yeah. a new trailer. Just as yeah. you know, save myself. Yeah. You know, probably that much. Those trailers can be expensive. Some of the, once the, the bigger they get, of course, the more expensive they get. And this one here, this one here has pullout, so that's yeah. a little more spendier trailer than the ones that just yeah. had to flip out. A big thanks to the owner operator for joining us. Search big loads at overdriveonline.com for our May cover story on heavy specialized hauling, and get those nominations in for owner op of the year by the end of the month. You can do that via truckload.org/doy or search. Owner Operator of the Year at OverdriveOnline.com. And until next time, keep it pro out there.